0: What's up, everybody? You didn't know we had intro music, huh? This is a real podcast. Welcome, everybody, to Simplified. This is a podcast where we examine trends, events, and happenings in the restaurant industry and break it down or simplify it because that is what we are all about. My name is Matt, and I am with Training Simplified. We break down complex ideas or tasks to help train your teams in the restaurant industry and the truth is is that the world just did not have enough podcasts so we're bringing this to you and today i'm very excited to introduce our special guest mr corbin nichols hey matt how's it going oh wait
1: oh wow that's some adoration there that's that's too much
0: oh man too kind wow much better that's much more appropriate okay all right enough of that enough of that what's up dude how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Welcome welcome to the podcast. Um, thank, thank you for joining so much us. For having me. You are one of our, our early guests. Um, and we're really excited. Obviously, uh, if, if some people out there might know us, many of you might not, but Corbin and I go way back, very familiar. Um, we're friends. We've worked together. Uh, we've been partners. We've partnered up on projects. I know you very well. But in case people out there in Radioland don't know you, will you please give us the, uh, the, the Corbin Nichols bio?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in the restaurant industry since I was 14 years old, Um, started as a busboy in a bagel shop in the back of a church uh, washing dishes. I think the statute of limitations is up there. So I don't think I can get in trouble or you can get in trouble by me like admitting to that on this podcast. But I then went into the realm as far as Uh, Becoming a server in front of house and uh, went through that I've worked for brands such as Cheesecake Factory, California Pizza Kitchen, some mom and pop establishments. But really where the meat of my restaurant professional career came was when I joined Chipotle Mexican Grill back in 2012. And I started as a team member while I was bartending about uh, three nights a week. And I just fell in love with the culture and what was happening at that time at that organization. And it really propelled my career forward. And I really found a passion for training in general and being able to help people achieve things that they never thought were possible before. Um So yeah, now I'm at uh, Piatta, Italian Street Food, which is about 51 locations at the time of this recording. Uh, We're headquartered out in Columbus, Ohio. Um, It's an Italian fast casual food, and it's an awesome concept. It's got so much legs. Uh, We're one of the only in this space, and I'm really excited about the future, but mostly I'm just excited a bit because we have a deep bench of potential just waiting to go.
0: Nice. That's awesome. So uh, you said piada is one of the only in your space. What do you mean by that? Just in that type of food or?
1: Yeah. So fast casual market is really heavily dominated by uh, Mexican cuisine as well as Mediterranean cuisine um, or some pizza spots. But really as far as pastas, chopped salads, and then our hand-rolled piadas, our namesake, which is an Italian dough that's cooked on a hot stone wrapped with fresh ingredients inside. Um, Nobody's doing what we're doing. And we're inspired from a a visit our CEO had out to Rimini, Italy, where he had these piadinas, which were being served on the street with fresh ingredients, a dough uh, cooked on a hot stone. And he just had that moment of revelation we should have this in the States. So he came back and he founded Piata in twenty uh, twenty ten. And so now we're approaching our thirteenth year of being open in fifty one locations now.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Um and I love the uh, I love the cannolis. Shout out to the cannolis.
1: Yeah, Is those that... cannoli chips. Fire
0: <sighs> cannoli chips, so good. I yeah. I've eaten my fair share of cannoli chips. Um so so at Piata you um you, you really oversee Learning and development restaurant training what what else what is what is under your purview at, what are you responsible for at piata?
1: Yeah, currently we all wear a lot of hats um, but as the head of restaurant excellence and training for the organization it 's really a, a mix of our restaurant field training um, development from team member level all the way up through our regional directors of operations as well as i oversee the learning and development side of of the piece Uh, all of our new restaurant openings all of our certified training programs Um, i also dabble a little bit in talent acquisition a little bit in development as well so have my hands in quite a few places, but it's a really exciting opportunity to be able to infuse this type of training mentality, uh, in each one of these departments and, and bringing it through the lens of how do we help support our restaurant operators and make them even better.
0: Um, and as you said, you're, you're wearing a lot of hats, which I'm sure a lot of people can relate to and having, having your experience of like literally going up the ranks in the restaurant industry, starting from the pop, starting from the bottom all the way to the top or whatever, if wherever, wherever the top is, I don't know, wherever you whatever are. Yeah, whatever Drake says, start from the bottom, yeah. now we're here. Start from the bottom, now we're here. Yeah, I mean, you had that experience um, at Chipotle. And one thing I loved, and it's no secret, we, you and I were together, worked together at Chipotle in those, in those days. And uh, you were sort of the, you know, the, 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 the dream, the person who was like, oh, look, this is what everybody wants. Everybody wants to be like Corbin, the guy who w- w- worked in the restaurants, became a manager, worked his way through up the corporate ladder. Um, sort of the the dream story, and that's 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 aw- awesome. It was admirable, and um, yeah, it kind of became the the go to story. And you were not unique in that that culture, which was cool. Um, and I know you're kind of really recreating that at Piata, Those those opportunities for people to to grow up in the ranks and and, and investing in people where they can they can. They can not just have a job, they can have like a career and a passion and be developed and, and grow. Um, and that's, that's awesome that you're getting to like kind of pass yeah, that that's, on now that's, I see that.
1: That's really the dream, right, is I don't think that it's any secret sauce, really. I think that there's so many ways to get to the desired end result. But when you set your North Star to the, the desired end result is the success of our people and providing them with every opportunity, every tool uh, to become successful. But that also sometimes can mean that we're not over-tooling them, that we're not giving them too much to be able to truly work within their means. How do we simplify our content and streamline it to a way that it's digestible for them, especially because the operator that we have today is not the same operator as when I was 14 years old in the back of a bagel shop. We are dealing with a different generation and we have to be able to show them their path to success as well and what that looks like.
0: So I saw recently, uh, you, you, you were kind of posting a bit on LinkedIn. There was, it was, uh, I watched some content you posted of, uh, of yourself, even teaching on stage, some of your, some of your managers, maybe some of your operators, and it was sort of, you, you sort of had this philosophy or principles of what, what is successful training. And it caught my eye. I asked you about it. Um, I'd love for you to kind of break that down for me a little bit. Walk, walk me through this, this, this framework that you have for successful training.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the biggest place that this starts is so many times in the industry, whatever industry we're really dealing with, training is a checklist. Training is something that we have to accomplish in order to be able to facilitate our role or our job. Like just the easiest way to say it is I have to get trained so that I can do my job. That's just what it is. And I disagree with that fundamental premise when it comes to training. Um, If you look at who's been successful in any specific field, whether it's art, architecture, uh, mathematics, if it's um, writing uh, fantastic novels, if it's producing documentaries, if it's just working in a restaurant, the people that are successful are the ones that really embrace this concept Of that we're always in training and what i mean by that is this premise of in training doesn't just stop the day that we become certified that we can do something or validated that yes we have the ability to do something being in training is this concept that uh, i i like sports so i always try and relate it to something that i'm i'm very familiar with but if you think about the greatest athletes of all time, if you think about the athletes that are in their prime, they have been doing a fundamental routine drill, the same drill that they did in peewee football or little league baseball. They're doing that exact same thing every single day with hardly any breaks over and over and over again. That's why they call it training camp, right. <laughs> because you're literally going and being in training constantly. And I think that where the industries get caught off guard is that we look at this as a check mark that we have to, to, to put on paper, that we have to say we put a stamp on it and they're good to go, rather than say, if we really want to excel and we want to be the best that we can possibly be, we're never out of training. We are right. always in training.
0: Wow. Is this this the name of your book? In Training? No, no, no book.
1: No book yet. But it is (laughs) it is like this philosophy that I have when it comes to establishing successful training practices. And it all starts with our mentality. What are we setting as our North Star?
0: Yeah, I love it. So did you tell me and, and forgive me if I if I if I don't get it right, but you had something like the four principles of being in training I don't know, is it the four P's? I have no idea. <laughs> you, you tell me, I want to learn about it. Teach me, yeah, teach me about well, this, this framework I'm,
1: that you have here. I'm break it down happy one. to, I'm happy to break it down. <laughs> Essentially. I was, I was faced with this task of, I was interviewing for this role at Piata and it was for this uh, training role and, and really taking on and shaping an entire training department. And I really only had my historical context to be able to relate it to, right? What, what did I go through that helped me be successful? I had great leaders that drove me to be better all the time, right? I had people that empowered me to do the best that I could possibly be and give me the ownership to be able to accomplish that. And, and then also held me accountable to the end results. <laughs> if I didn't succeed at something, I was made very aware of it right away. But ultimately, when you have to take that operations mindset, which I know a lot of operators can relate to, and you have to train, change it to a training mindset, I really just sat down in blue Sky for a little bit. And I looked at a whiteboard, and I just wrote out every word that I could think of that would relate to a successful, sustainable training culture. That's what it's all about. It's great if you can give one person the opportunity to be great, but like you said earlier, in our past, you know, it, the great part about what we were able to experience was that it was on wide scale we saw a restaurant concept explode from you know when i joined the brand roughly 1000 restaurants up to over 3000 restaurants in the matter of years like that's phenomenal internal growth and the majority of that time it was coming 98% internally developed that's that's unheard of that's astounding so something there happened that was sustainable for us to create a flywheel and so I really looked at it from a holistic standpoint. What are those key pieces that go into a successful, sustainable training culture? And when I looked at the whiteboard after I was all done, I saw four words that stood out to me, mostly because I also think that for today's day and age, like if it's not a little catchy and it's not a little hokey, it, it's just not going to land. It's got to be sticky, right? Yep. It's got to be sticky. Absolutely. And four words on the board started with the letters I N they started with in. And so I'm like, Oh yeah. Oh, in training. Like, and then I start piecing it and I'm realizing, Oh, well this word falls into this and this word falls into this. And all of these things kind of fall into these four principles of creating a sustainable training culture inside of your organization. And so I'll break them down for you, but some of these are really specific to the operator and what they have to do, but a lot of it is specific to what the ownership is on the organization to create the opportunities for the operator as well. So are you are you in? Are you ready? Are you in for the four pieces of being in training? I'm all in. I'm ready. Hit wow, me with you're it. You're all in. All <laughs> in. That's great. That's great. I'm Pushing in. the chips to the center, you're good to go. Um, well, the yeah, first... The The first one. The
0: the, the Corbin Nichols approach to being in training, successful training, the four ins? Four
1: ins, the four ins. The four ins. The first thing you have to do is create an inclusive culture inside of your restaurant. And inclusive takes on a lot of heavy meanings, especially in today's day, right? Inclusive paints a very broad picture. But I'm being very specific when I say inclusive. What I mean by inclusive is that every single person on the team, no matter what their position or tenure is, is as invested in the success of the others around them as they are their own success. You cannot build a successful training culture if one person is supermanning it all. You can't do it. If you're trying to have a super GM or a super area leader running an organization, running a, a vehicle, a multimillion-dollar vehicle, and they're trying to do everything themselves, there will be burnout. There will be loss. You will have retention issues and turnover issues, just without a doubt. In order for something to be a successful culture of training, it has to be inclusive, where every single person on the team, as it they they care. They just... They understand why we're doing it, why it's important, and they actually give a crap about doing it. They, they want to do it because they understand how it impacts the person next to them. Mm-hmm. So you, you can, we can take another whole podcast series just to break down this inclusive piece right. that uh, the content that you saw that I posted was a presentation I did for all of our partners, our, our general managers on how do you step-by-step create an inclusive culture in your restaurant. So even breaking down into that, there's a whole roadmap on what it needs to entail and what it needs to be in order to achieve that. But ultimately that overall bucket is, they they gotta care about each other. It has to be inclusive.
0: Nice, okay, so inclusive is number one. What's, uh, What's number two?
1: Number two is it has to be instructive. And what I mean by instructive is the fact that it has to take the same tone. We're talking about simplified, right? Like that's that's what this podcast is. But really, it's a part of this whole methodology. I've been I've worked at places where if you're watching an e-learning, you're learning in one way. If you're uh, learning shoulder to shoulder from somebody, you're learning in a different way. Or maybe there's a job aid that you're learning from, and it's all structured very differently. To me, that just, it it doesn't make sense because you don't create any rhythm for the learner to be efficient. The learner being efficient matters so much because it means that you're able to cut down the amount of time that training takes. Hmm. One of the biggest issues in operations is training takes forever. Training just takes forever. And you have learners that learn completely differently, especially today, right? With my nieces and nephews generation, they learn completely different than I learned uh, in the past as well. But by that instructive framework, what I'm talking about is industries have methods, methodologies of how they create training. It, I've heard uh, companies call it like tell, show, do, review, do again. Right. Or there's there's the planning, assessing, uh, the needs analysis, and you can dive into it that that particular way. But the problem is, is that it doesn't sync with every single piece that they do. It doesn't follow that same approach where you're being shown something and then having to perform the task and then, you know, et cetera. It's 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 fragmented. And so the way that the learner learns isn't conducive to the pattern that you're trying to teach them. So... For my belief in in what we've done here at Piata is every piece of training that we have takes the approach of we are going to follow a five-step training process. We're going to introduce the trainee to the task first and foremost. Whether that's e-learning, whether it's uh, shoulder-to-shoulder, whether it's a job aid, no matter what it is, we are going to introduce them to the task. Then we are going to shadow them with the task. And shadow takes on this like phrase and terminology in the industry quite a lot where it just means that we stand back and watch you do a really bad job um that's not a great way to train people is just to stand back and then critique them from across the room um if you think of your shadow your shadow is doing the same thing as you i mean when we teach people how to cut produce we have two cut boards set up across from one another They are both the trainer and the trainee doing the task at the exact same time in almost a mirror reflection. It's so much easier to be able to follow what's happening when you're able to actually shadow somebody doing it. How do I teach you how to cut fast? Well, I can tell you to cut produce faster, or I can show you and you can follow my rhythms and my cadence to get to the point where we need to be, right? So introduce, shadow. Then we let them perform the task. That's when we're watching them. That's when we're observing. Um, but we're staying active. We're giving regular feedback through that. We have to continually give uh, honest feedback at all times. If we're missing the mark, we've got to tell them right away. If they're doing something right, we've got to tell them right away. There's never a moment where we can't give feedback on how something's going. And then we certify them on the ability to be able to do the task. So we follow the introduce, shadow, perform, certify. But most places, that's where training ends, right? You certify somebody and you're done. But our role as leaders in the organization, the certification is really just the the first point of being able to do the task. We have to take the ownership of continually validating. I don't care if somebody has been at this organization for 10 years, if they've been here for 10 days or for 10 minutes, we are going to validate that what they are doing as leaders in, in the restaurant is what they're supposed to be doing because we know what the standard is supposed to look like. So if we walk past the standard and don't give feedback that it should be different, we've basically just validated that you're doing it right. And so right. now the trainee has no idea. So that's the instructive methodology. No matter what we're doing, we're always going to validate after we certify them that they can do it.
0: Yeah. I love that. So it's not just, so it's a framework to your, to this instructive world. It's having a methodology, yes. a technique to be instructive that is repeatable and clear and, and, and anybody can adopt, um, yeah. that comes and works with you. So it's, a, so it's and an it creates... inclusive... in what?
1: And it creates efficiency when you it go through. Creates it creates
0: efficiency. I love it. So so if we're in training, if we're having a successful training, we're in, we're inclusive, we're instructive, and we're in
1: Now we need to be innovative. Innovative. We cannot just sit back and use the same tools that we've used for years. Most organizations get into this mentality where they're afraid to push the envelope or afraid to adopt new technology until it's vetted or proved out. And innovative can be anything from the methodologies that we use when it comes to an LMS or if it's a way that we uh, frame hospitality training, similar to what uh, I I partnered with your team and Training Simplified on recently, right? We innovated a new way to do hospitality training for the industry, or or whether it is just in general, um, a new way to adopt uh, a style or a framework of how we present training, as long as it's still following that instructive piece, it's all about us being able to push the envelope and scale and grow what it is that we're doing. If we tried to use the same job aids that I started with in my career, we would never be successful. No matter how inclusive we were, no matter how much everybody cared, it just wouldn't work. Yeah. And as the times change, we have to push the envelope and we have to be willing to adapt without just continually churning for churn's sake. We have to be strategic about it but we have to continually innovate.
0: I love it. So inclusive, instructive.
1: Instructive, innovative.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm taking it slow. I'm going I'm it sink in. Yeah. The fourth in, what, what do we got? What do we have to be?
1: Well, here's the fun part. When you have those three items, yeah. you get the fourth one and that's an inspiring culture. Uh, that's when everybody on the team truly is rowing in the same direction. They're working together in the way that they need to work. You can feel an inspiring culture the moment you walk into an organization. To be sustainable, you have to to create that inside of your restaurant, where people are inspired by the vision of what it is that we're doing. They're inspired by the mission that we're set out to accomplish. They know why we're here and what we're doing. It's not just that we're here for each other, they truly believe it. And the only way to get them to truly believe it is by following through on those initial three principles that we have. That's how the team buys in. Because when we put our money where our mouth is and we invest in the right type of training to relate to our teams and we create this inclusive culture by making sure that everybody on the team has a role and knows where they stand. And we give them the tools in a way that it's easy to digest, it's efficient to digest, so training isn't a chore, it's not a burden. When you have those three pieces and the team truly knows that they're cared about, that's an inspiring culture. And really the inspiring culture is what creates the sustainability. That's yeah. what keeps the flywheel moving so that you can continue to promote up and promote out. But that restaurant stays as a hub for whoever is going to be coming next, whether it's internal development or external development, we're able to continue churning out from there great quality and caliber leaders that are able to really propel the business forward. That's truly what helped make in my past life the growth attainable and so successful, was because those pieces existed. And once we started removing you know, uh, some, of the, some of the framework and some of the pieces and we, we only focused on this or that and we didn't focus on the whole recipe for success, that was really when we started to feel a little bit of the pinch and the burden in the past life. So the goal is now is, hey, how do we make this so that the team just understands, they know, and they care? And after two years here at Piata, the coolest thing is that we're in this place now where that's happening.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome to see. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's encouraging to hear you say, you know, you're seeing it after two years cause it takes time. This is not an overnight process. Mm-hmm. This is not a, uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it takes, it takes time. It takes discipline. Um, it takes being in training, if you will. Um, yeah. <laughs> and putting in the yeah, reps, um,
1: to absolutely. move,
0: to, to, move a ship like this. So kudos to you for, um, for sticking with it and for making it happen. Um, and I've seen some of the, the fruit of your labor at Piata and some of our experiences, um, we've partnered together on uh, a few different programs that, that you've rolled out, um, introducing to, to the brand and to your teams. There was one, so, so you came to us and you specifically, you were looking to improve the hospitality. The, the experience of your guests in your restaurants, the, the, the impression was that it was lacking, that you guys had a, a subpar NPS, am I right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that it needed to be improved, that the guest experience was not at the standard that, that you and your leadership team and everyone needed to be at. And so um, you came to us and we introduced a new program. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit, a little bit about it?
1: Yeah, and and you know you and I have had this conversation in the past about like the the future's all digital, the future's all robotics and you know here I am preaching innovative, right?
0: right. But <laughs>
1: Part of this and part of our brand specifically is you have to still be true to your core values. And, and our main core value is genuine hospitality to our uh, external guests and our internal guests. We, we have guests, not customers at Piata because that's truly the, the genuine hospitality that we wanna give. We don't wanna give this scripted content that's shoved down the team member's throat to, to force them to say a certain line to make somebody feel like we're just going through the motions. We want to provide genuine experiences. And when I joined the organization, unfortunately, this even though it was a core value, it wasn't in place. And it's, it's no fault of the organization. I mean, I think that many organizations can say this from what they went through during the pandemic. Uh, the guest tone shifted, the team tone shifted. And sometimes those daily changes of of what we're uh, transitioning into to just be able to keep the doors open can impact the overall rhythm and, and flow of how we treat a guest. So dining rooms are back open. We're having people show back up, not just taking food off of a shelf. And we needed to basically retrain an entire workforce on how how to do the basics, but not just how to do the basics, how to also overachieve and go to that next level of hospitality. So I'm a very scrappy part of this organization, wearing a lot of hats. I didn't have the ability to make something on my own, so I came to to, uh, your team and asked for assistance building this. but what I can say is is what we did with the focus on being genuine hospitality that delivers results and being result-oriented, it has completely revolutionized what we've done. Um, and in general, basically year over year for our net promoter score, which is just are people promoting us or are they – saying bad things about us online? Like, are are they saying, Piata's awesome, you should go there? Or are they saying, like, don't go to Piata? Uh, We were at a 56% out of 100% (laughs) promotion score in 2022. And... At the same time, year over year now, after this program has been up and running uh, since February in the organization, we are now sitting at a 78% net promoter score. So we still have a ways to go. Our internal goal is a minimum of 85% across the organization. But when you look at the progress that's been uh, happening over the last five months, to be sitting at a 78% and seeing that tick keep climbing on the uh, chart that, you know, we're not, we're not dipping and falling back down. It wasn't just the flavor of the week back in March that we're still accomplishing on it and rising. It's, it's incredible to be able to see when you follow these principles and you really put them into place and you have a specific focus of what you're trying to accomplish, what you can do as a brand.
0: Well, you know, it's, it's cool now having, having partnered with you, you know, over the last last year or so and hearing your philosophy of being in training, I, I see how, how, how you rolled out this, this genuine results driven hospitality program is very much in line with the philosophy. That you, that you laid out there <laughs> of like, it's instructive, um, it's a system, there's a methodology, it's, it's repeatable, it's efficient, um, it's innovative, and I appreciate you as a partner letting us kind of innovate with you and um, create training that was maybe a little bit out of the box, maybe a little bit different. Um, you know, we like to call it edutainment, um, not just somebody talking to you, but you know, we wanted to, we have little weird cartoons of people running around with their head on fire uh or game. it's not even cartoons it's a game <laughs> yeah,
1: it's a weird yeah, it,
0: tetris style game it
1: bit, right it feels it feels retro but yeah, I mean that's it, cool now right
0: yeah weird characters um we don't need to get into the whole thing right now but um but yeah you you we i appreciate you um you know doing that with us and 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 it's awesome to see the results that you're getting by following um, your system and, and sticking to it and being consistent. Um, and so it's great to have a partner that, um, like yourself, that will, um, that will kind of embrace that will embrace this. So, so thank you. And it's been cool to see well
1: much more to come. I I'm really excited about where we're going to continue to go when it comes to leadership development for the organization as well. So a ton more on the horizon. I'm really excited about,
0: I do have one question. You kind of alluded to this, like uh, what made you, what made you think hospitality and improving like your teams that like helping your teams be better at being genuinely hospitable. What made you want to invest money in that versus like investing in yeah, more robots or AI or the flavor (laughs) of the month? Like, which is what everybody's kind of talking about.
1: I I think that we're craving humanity as a society more than we ever have. Um, and. I truly believe that. I truly believe that we're looking for connection points and we're looking to understand each other. Um, through my life, I've seen social media and look, I'm on social media, I love it. I mean, I can't get off of it half the time. But I think part of that is this desire to connect with people on a grander scale and a greater scale. And while I do see the ability for restaurants to improve with robotics or or, um, other methods in the future to just create efficiencies, what will never go away is the feeling that you get When you go somewhere and they give you a great experience. When you go somewhere and they know your name. And that feeling that you get when they remember your order and they invite you back to see them again. Uh, There's something that's just so powerful about that, especially in today's day and age. That's a crave that we have inside of us, whether we recognize it or not. Um, And I, I know I have plenty of friends that are probably listening to this right now being like, I don't crave it. You do, because <laughs> you do. I know when you go to a restaurant and you don't have a good experience, yeah. you're so upset about it, right? <laughs> because because we crave that. We want that. We believe in that. We believe yeah. that that hospitality industry, what it should be giving, and to me, it's a way to invest in our people because this my my niece's generation, you know, and, and I'm I'm paraphrasing something that we've discussed in the past, they went through two out of three years of high school or junior high on Zoom. There yeah. was this break in in the social ties that we have that we've been used to. And to be able to invest back in our teams more so just so that they know how to communicate and treat each other internally, but also how to take that and reflect it onto our external guest that's coming in. That's a service that we can provide and that we can give that no matter how long they work at this brand, if they can take some of the fundamentals of that training with them on their next path, they're going to be a better person for it. And that there's no price tag on that. So being able to invest in our people that way is something that... I would never think twice about in the future.
0: Wow, I love that. Yeah. Um, well, that that warms my heart and it warms my heart to hear that your net promoter score has increased by nearly 50%. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. amazing. Uh, yeah. Results-driven training. As you said, that's kind of ultimately what it's all about. Um, and we know that guest experience also uh, relates to the bottom line. Um, at the end of the day, it leads to repeat guests. So I think you were smart to invest in, uh, guest training, whether you partner with us or not. Um, but investing <laughs> in that, I, I think is, is, is admirable and the right move. Um, cause it's ultimately what it's all about. It's creating those special moments and being, if you if you can be known as a place that, that people just love going to, cause there's so many places where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I mean, I like, the, I go there for the food, but not, you know, mm-hmm. the people don't really care or whatever. Yeah. Um, but,
1: but there's nowhere that's the both. opposite. There's there's nowhere also that's the opposite, right? You don't, like, go somewhere where you're like, yeah, bad food, but they treat me great, right? You have to have both in combination. Yes. Yes. But if you can provide both, people will stop going to the other place just for the food. They will come to you because you're giving them the full package.
0: Yeah, I love it. well dude, thank you for uh for, for kind of sharing your, your philosophy, your 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 nuggets of wisdom. Um, I really I really appreciated hearing kind of that framework behind behind seeing the work that you've done and kind of understanding that framework behind it really makes a lot of sense. It helps me put, put the pieces together. So that that was really cool for me personally. And I know you're gonna be sharing some of this at at chart coming up soon, probably before this um, this episode even drops, um, and and kind of sharing this. So hopefully um, you'll get the chance to to share your philosophy more and more because I think people will be able to to benefit from it. So I, I think you should. I think you should write that book uh, in training, Corbin <laughs> Corbin Nichols, or at least or at least put it out there. It's something you know. Talk about it on, yeah. a, on another podcast because I think it's uh, it's really valuable. So
1: so thank you. Some more content. More content. More yeah, content. That'll be. That, that's, that's just
0: what we need today, more content. Isn't that is what the world needs, more content, more podcasts? Speaking of, thank you, everybody, uh, for listening to Simplified, full interview. Uh, we also we do this on a regular basis. We, we take these conversations. We also break them down um, into kind of smaller, shorter uh, chunk segments, um, so always check, look, be on the lookout for those, and we publish these full interviews as well. So, Corbin, thanks for uh, chatting with me. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it.